morning, everyone. Welcome to our church and welcome to the communion table. This is a holy moment when we uh, get serious with God. Well, we should be serious all the time, but this is more serious than others. Um, because the Bible said that uh, um, when we take communions, uh, we need to confess our sins. And if we don't, and if we don't take communion with the right motive, um, it can harm our health and cause death. Well, it, it did happen in the church of Corinth. So the idea of that is not to scare us. The idea is prompt us to frequently confess our sins, cleanse ourselves, so that we may ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us to live a life in righteousness and victory against sin. Okay? So you can't defeat sin by yourself, right? You don't have the power. But the Holy Spirit who lives in you, if you're a true believer, has the power. But you have to ask for him to take control of you and empower you. If you are occupied by the dirty thoughts and memories and the guilt, and uh, you, you're powerless, right? You can't fight the world. But if you confess and if you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, and uh, he definitely will because you are praying in the will of the Father, right? And God promised in the Bible that any prayer in the will of the Father is going to be heard, right? So, is being filled with the Holy Spirit the will of the Father? Yes, it is, okay? So, you just need to ask. But to ask for that, you have to confess first. And the communion is, with its implied threat, is just a prompt. It's time to do it frequently. One of the reasons this church does it every week is because the biblical example is doing it weekly. So that's why we do it. Okay, Even though that makes our service longer, but it also makes us cleaner. Isn't that good? So let's come to the throne of God and pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, Thank you for giving us a life, a physical one, and then a life, a new life, a spiritual one in Christ Jesus. You, being love, for God is love, decided to create humans in the image of you. And you have um, given us a free will so that we might know and decide to accept your love. Our first ancestors, they made the wrong choice. And ever since humanity have been suffering by their wrong choices, following the wrong leaders and teachers, and being tortured, but because of their own wrong decision. But now, thank you for sending your son, your eternal son, who became Jesus Christ, who is now our Lord and Savior. Now, because of his sacrifice of his body on the cross and shed blood on the cross, he has covered our sins and he give, paved the way for us to come back to you, our Father. Not only his Father, now also our Father. You have given us sonship in the uh, household of God. And uh, we are the bride of Christ uh, collectively as a church, and we shall be fellow heir with Christ of the kingdom to come. And besides uh, being given the indwelling Holy Spirit and the power, if we're filled with him, to defeat sin and live righteously. 
all of this is your grace, and we have no uh, right of and uh, to we have no reason to demand anything. But we are here just to thank you for being graceful, for loving, for giving us your son, for giving us your heart and your wisdom and your plan, your word and your spirit. So this morning we come to you, we confess all the sins, anything that in our mind, our words, and in our action that have fallen short of the full image of Christ, which is holy, which is righteous, which is loving, which is faithful. Anything that fallen short of that, we come to you confessing, and uh, we, we pray that you will give us the, the, the willingness and the power to, to change, to overcome the temptations when they come again. And we can live righteously, and we can defeat sin, and have victory, and we can give glory to you and to Christ's name. And that's the Holy Spirit's will, to honor the Father and the Son. And it's for the same purpose we come to you this morning, that we are here confessing and uh, opening up, ready to receive the filling by the Holy Spirit and the empowerment and uh, the, the, the obedience to follow your orders and conquer sin and expand your kingdom. All of this is praise in the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory.
in our series of devotional communions, we have been reviewing uh, the contrast between the Old and the New Covenants. Okay? The Old Covenant is between God and Israel. It's a conditional covenant. It is a renter's contract about how Israel is qualified to live on the land of God. They have to obey the rules set by the owner, right? And the rules are the Mosaic law. If they obey the law, they can stay on the land. If they don't obey, well, their sins accumulate until they have to be kicked out or evicted, all right? And it happened, right? Because it's inevitable for that to happen. It's not because of specific sinfulness um, of Israelites. They're not more so than the rest of humanity. They're just typical humans. They're chosen as a sample. And humans sin. And uh, when, when you sin, God remembers the sin. And because uh, God is just, he has to punish the sin in order to remain just. And uh, uh, God may be graceful and forgiving and uh, giving a more time, but ultimately, when Israel's sin accumulated so much, there's no option other than eviction. Okay? So the, therefore, Old Testament is written for well, it's about Israel, but it's for the church. So what happened to Israel reviews humanity's, um, I guess, a dilemma or unfortunate fact that by ourselves, who have a fallen sinful nature in there, in our body, we cannot be together with God. Not for a long time. Okay, We may have moments we don't sin, but we can't avoid sin all our lives in all aspects okay so that's why the old covenant while it was good it has the law but it has grace lots of grace in the law you know the law has more parts about sacrifice which is not to be punished by the sin right it has more about the sacrifice than the rules of how to live you know so the law has a lot of grace in there However, no matter how graceful God is, the life under the law is not leading to salvation, to perpetual peace between man and God. You need a new covenant. And that's what the new covenant is. The new covenant is revealed in the Old Testament in two places. One place is called uh, Jeremiah 31, 31. Say it with me. Jeremiah 31, 31. And another place is Ezekiel 36, 26. Say that. Ezekiel 36, 26. Right. Those are easy to remember. So if you want to know what is the new covenant, go to, say it with me, Jeremiah 31, 31, and Ezekiel 36, 26. All right. So this is what is said in Ezekiel 36, 26. Um, moreover, I will give you a a new heart and uh, put a new spirit within you and you will I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and uh, give you a heart of flesh I will put my spirit within you and uh, cause you to walk in my statutes and then uh, you will um, be careful to observe my uh, ordinances you see, it's all the work of God. He will remove our stony heart. We were not responsive. Now we will be. He will give us a new spirit. That's called the regeneration, the being born again, 
of our spirit, the innermost self. And then he said he will put his spirit in us. His spirit lives in our re uh, regenerated spirit. And that is for the new covenant people. It's all the work of God. What's the result? He will cause us to understand the spirit of the law and to be willing to obey the spirit of the law, even though when we are no longer under the authority of the letters of the law. You see, children and slaves, they don't understand nor have a sense of ownership uh, of the master's uh, mind and household. And they have to be run by rules. And that's what the law is. It's for children and slaves. However, if you're born by the Holy Spirit, redeemed by, by the blood of Christ, having his life in us, and the being now called sons of God, fellow heir of the kingdom to come, you now have the ability to understand the mind and the heart of God. You will understand the spirit of the law, even though you're no longer under the letters of the law. You see, So now you will have a sense of ownership. All of God's is yours, and all of yours is God's. Okay? This church belongs to God. This church also belongs to you. Okay? And whatever you're doing to, here, to the church is doing to God. And what are you doing to others? Doing to God. Same thing. Whatever God's doing to this church is doing to you. So when you have the sense of ownership, when you have the sense of oneness with Christ, you will voluntarily love and obey God and follow the spirit of the law even though you don't have to. You see, that's the difference between children and slaves versus sons and heirs. Okay? The children and slaves obey because they have to. The sons and heirs obey and serve because they like to. They love to. See, that's the difference. God has given us a new covenant which makes us sons and heirs of the kingdom of God. Okay, that is what is prompting us that we should have the sense of ownership and the willingness to obey even if we don't have to. You see, that is what the spiritual life is in Christ Jesus. That's what sanctification is. That's what the book of First and Second Corinthians are about. That's what I've we, we're preaching now. Okay, so before we are going to study, we are here to renew our new covenant with God. You see, a lot of pastors, they want to tell the congregation, you must do this, you must do that, in order to earn your glory. Well, does it relate to your glory? Yes, but that should not be your goal. Okay? Your goal is to serve God because you're grateful. And if that earns glory, great, that's, that's grace upon grace, but that's not your goal. The better way for a pastor to do is to remind you of the grace of Christ. What he has done for us because of his love, he gave his life. What more can you demand from a person who loves you? Okay? And because of that, you want to give him your life. Okay? So he gave you his all, you give him your all. Okay? And it doesn't have to be this or that. It just depends on what the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay? You have freedom. You don't have to obey this and that. But you would love to do that because he's yours and you are his. Christ on the cross gave us his body, which is represented by this bread. We take this in remembrance of him.
Christ Jesus on the cross shed his blood, which covers us from God's wrath. It also promises uh, the second coming when he will celebrate the, the wedding between the Lamb and the church. So we take this in remembrance of the past and in expectation of the future. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we come to you acknowledging your, you are God, and you are our Savior, and you are our Lord and Master. You are our head, and we will listen to you, and we want to wait for your second coming and letting your spirit to sanctify us, make us holy and lovely in your eyes. We pray that our obedience will result in the will of the Father be done on us and in your pleasure at your second coming. And uh, we pray that that day comes soon, but in God's good time and before them. Sanctify us and empower us to, be, to live out your life, which is in us. Thanks be to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.